Hi guys, I am Melissa and this is the Really Mind podcast. Hi, we are your hosts. I am Jaylan. And I am Osman. In case you haven't watched our trailer or this is the first time you listen to us, we will introduce ourselves and our podcast again. We are Turkish and we are studying at Muşakasa University. And this podcast will be just a school project. In this project, we will be talking about some people who contribute to math. They will try to mention their life and their contributions. Hopefully, there will be a total of six episodes and we will talk about a different person in each episode. In this episode, we will be talking about Tails. We will talk about his life and his contributions to math. Then let's start. It is stated that Thales was the first known Greek philosopher, scientist, and mathematician. He is credited with five theorems of elementary geometry. Thales of Miletus was the son of Exemius and Clenabulin. His parents are said by some to be from Miletus, but others report that they were Phoenicians. Thales seems to seems to be the first known Greek philosopher. Scientist and mathematician, although his occupation was that of an engineer. He is believed to have been the teacher of Anaximander and he was the first natural philosopher in the Milesian school. However, none of his writings survives, so it's difficult to determine his views or to be certain about his mathematical discoveries. Indeed, it's unclear whether he wrote any works at all and if he did, They were certainly lost by the time of Aristotle, who didn't have access to any writings of tales. On the other hand, there are claims that he wrote a book on navigation, but these are based on little evidence. In the book on navigation, it is suggested that he used the constellation Ursa Minor as an important feature in his navigation techniques. Even if the book is fictitious, It's quite probable that Tails did indeed define the constellation Ursa Minor. By the way, did you know that Tails is Turkish? What? Really? Yeah, he was born in Miletus, which is in Aydın, Turkey now. Anyway, let's get back to our topic. Okay, Proclus, the last major Greek philosopher who lived around 450 AD, wrote Tails. First went to Egypt and then introduced the study, I mean geometry, into Greece. He discovered many propositions himself and instructed his successors in the principles underlying many others. His method of attacking problems had greater generality in some cases and was more in the nature of simple inspection and observation in other cases. There is difficulty in writing about tales and others from a similar period. Although there are numerous references to tales, which would enable us, us to reconstruct the, quite a number of details, the sources must be treated with care, since it was the habit of the time to credit famous men with discoveries that they did not make. Partly this was a result of the legendary status that men like tales achieved, and partly it was a result of scientists with a relatively little story behind their subjects, trying to increase the status of their topic by giving it a historical background. Certainly, 
Thales was a figure of enormous prestige, being the only philosopher before Socrates to be among the seven sages. Plutarch writing of his seven sages says that Thales was apparently the only one of these whose wisdom stepped. In speculation, beyond the limits of practical utility, the rest acquired the reputation of wisdom in politics. This comment by Plutarch shouldn't be seen as saying that Thales didn't function as a politician. Indeed, he did. He persuaded the separate states of Ionia to form a federation with a capital at Tios. He dissuaded his compatriots from accepting an alliance with Croesus and as a result saved the city. It is reported that Thales predicted an eclipse of the sun in 585 BC. The cycle of about 19 years for eclipses of the moon was well known at this time, but the cycle for eclipses of the sun was harder to spot since eclipses were visible at different places on Earth. Thales' prediction of the 585 BC eclipse was probably a guess based on the knowledge that an eclipse around that time was possible. The claims that Thales used the Babylonian Terrace, a cycle of length 18 years, 10 days, 8 hours to predict the eclipse has been shown by Nujbar to be highly unlikely, since Nujbar shows that this Terrace was an invention of Halley. There are several accounts of how Thales measured the height of pyramids. Diocenes Lertius, writing in the 2nd century AD, quotes Hieronymus, a pupil of Aristotle. He says that Thales even succeeded in measuring the pyramids by observation of the length of their shadow at the moment, when our shadows are equal to our own height. This appears to contain no subtle geometrical knowledge, merely an empirical observation that at the instant when the length of the shadow of one object coincides, with its height, then the same will be true for all other objects. A similar statement is made by Pliny. Thales discovered how to obtain the height of pyramids and all other similar objects, namely by measuring the shadow of the object at the time when a body and its shadows are equal in length. Plutar, however, recounts the story in a form which, if accurate, would mean that Thales was getting close to the idea of similar triangles. Without trouble or the assistance of any instrument, he merely set up a stick at the extremity of the shadow cast by the pyramid and, having thus made two triangles by the impact of the sun's rays, showed that the pyramid has to the stick the same ratio which the shadow of the pyramid has to the shadow of the stick. Of course, Thales could have used these geometrical methods for solving practical problems. Having merely observed the properties and having no appreciation of what it means to prove a geometrical theorem. This is in line with the views of Russell who writes of Thales' contributions to mathematics. He wrote that, Thales is said to have traveled in Egypt, and to have thence brought to the Greeks the science of geometry. What Egyptians knew of geometry was mainly rules of thumb, and there is no reason to believe that Thales arrived at deductive proofs.
such as later Greeks discovered. On the other hand, B. L. Van der Waerden claims that Thales put geometry on a logical footing and was well aware of the notion of proving a geometrical theorem. However, although there is much evidence to suggest that Thales made some fundamental contributions to geometry, it's easy to interpret his contributions in the light of our own knowledge, thereby believing that uh, the Thales had a fuller appreciation of ge geometry than he could possibly have achieved. In many textbooks on the history of mathematics, Thales is credited with five theorems of elementary geometry. First, a circle is bisected by any diameter. Second, the base angles of an isosceles triangle are equal. Third, the angles uh, between two intersecting straight lines are equal. Fourth, two triangles are congruent if they have two angles and one side equal. And last one, an angel in a semicircle is a right angel. And there's a question. What is the basis for these claims? Proclus, writing around 450 AD, is the basis for the first four of these claims in the third and fourth cases quoting the work History of Geometry by Eudemus of Rhodes, who was a pupil of Aristotle as his torch. The history of geometry by Eudemus is now last, but there is no reason to doubt Proclus. The fifth theorem is believed to be due to Thales because of a passage from Dijon, Laertius' book, Leaves of Eminent Philosophers, written in the 2nd century AD. Pamphil says that Thales, who learned geometry from the Egyptians, was the first to describe on a circle a triangle, which shall be right angels and that he sacrificed an ox on the strength of the discovery. Others, however, including Apollodorus, the calculator, say that it was Pythagoras. A deeper examination of the sources, however, shows that even if they are accurate, we may be crediting Thales with too much. For example, Proclus uses a word meaning something closer to similar rather than equal in describing second theorem. It is quite likely that Thales did not even have a way to measuring angles, so equal angles would have not been a concept he would have understood precisely. He may have claimed no more than the base angles of an isosceles triangle look similar. The theorem fourth was attributed to Thales by Eudemus for less than completely convincing reasons. Proclus writes that Eudemus says that the method by which Thales showed how to find the distances of ships from the shore necessarily involves the use of the, this theorem. Thomas Heath give, gives three different methods which Thales might have used to calculate the distance to a ship at sea. The method which he thinks it most likely that Thales used was to have an instrument consisting of two sticks nailed into a cross so that they could be rotated about the nail. An observer then went to the top of a tower, positioned one stick vertically and then rotating the second stick about the nail until it points at the ship. 
Then the observer rotates the instrument, keeping it fixed and vertical until the movable stick points at a suitable point on the land. The distance of this point from the base of the tower is equal to the distance to the ship. Although theorem 4 underlies this application, it would have been quite possible for Tails to devise such a method without appreciating it anything of concrete triangle. As a final comment on these five theorems, there are conflicting stories regarding theorem 4, as Diogenes Laertius himself is aware. Also, even Pamphili cannot be taken as an authority since she lived in the first century AD. Long after the time of tales, others attributed the story about the sacrifice of an ox to Pythagoras on discovering Pythagoras' theorem. Certainly, there is much confusion and little certainty. Our knowledge of philosophy of tales is due to Aristotle who wrote in his Metaphysics. Tales of Miletus taught that all things are water. This, as Brombach writes, may seem an unpromising beginning for science and philosophy as we know them today. But against the background of mythology from which it arose, it was revolutionary. Samborski writes that it was Thales who first conceived the principle of explaining the multitude of phenomena by a small number of hypotheses for all the various manifestations of matter. Thales believed that the earth flows on water and all things come to be from water. For him, the earth was a flat disk floating on an infinite ocean. It has also been claimed that Thales explained from the fact that the earth flows on water. Again, the importance of Thales' idea is that he is the first recorded person who tried to explain such phenomena by rational rather than by supernatural means. It is interesting that Thales has both stories told about his great practical skills and also about him being an unworthy dreamer. Aristotle, for example, relates a story of how Thales used his skills to deduce that the next season's olive crop would be a very large one. He, therefore, brought all, all the olive presses and then he was able to make a fortune when the bumper olive crop did indeed arrive. On the other hand, Plato tells a story of how one night Thales was gazing at the sky and he walked and fell into a ditch. A pretty servant girl lifted him out and said to him, how do you expect to understand what is going on up in the sky if you do not even see what is in your, at your feet? As Brambrough says, perhaps this is the first time absent-minded Professor Jock in the West. Tales is really precious, right? I mean, fortunately, we chose him as the second brilliant mind for our podcast. Yay, you are right. Then that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening to us and see you next episode. See you. See you.